right, good to see everybody. Welcome. Welcome. This is fun. So thanks for being here. I just want to uh, quote Mrs. Taylor up here. Uh, I'll paraphrase the, her, the last thing she said. She said, we can all get so busy trying to make Christmas happen, we forget it already did happen. Amen? Amen. Today's the third Sunday of Advent, and I want to thank uh, Marlene and her daughter, uh, Jan and her granddaughter, Sarah and Anna, for lighting the candles of hope and peace, and then finally, the candle of joy. And can you imagine, can you guess what the sermon might be about today? Joy! joy. Awesome. Oh, we gave it away. All right. All right. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. That will be for all the people, and that includes all of us. Advent is definitely intended to be a season of joy, a time of delight, cheerfulness, a time of rejoicing. But there may be current day circumstances and people in our lives that can steal our joy. Even events of the past can steal our joy in the present. Even our predictions of the future that we will face may be tugging, trying to steal our joy. Our daughter Naomi, who is now living in in China, uh, serving the Lord over there, when uh, she was 13, on April 4th, 2007, she handed me a piece of paper. She had written me a poem. She had typed out this poem for me, and the title of the poem was, what was the title of the poem? It was, Let Nothing Steal Your Joy. And she gave it to me because I was having a tough time not letting things and people steal my joyful spirit. You see, our home appliances all seem to be falling apart all at once. My computer crashed twice. Both times I was preparing the same sermon. A drunk driver had run over our mailbox. I had sprained my ankle really, really badly. I walked into the church. My, my uh, shoelace got caught on the hook of the other boot, and, and I went face first over the stairs. And just before I hit the ground with my face, my, my foot came unhooked, and instead it was my ankle. And I just lied there, and I was the only one in the church. I'm like, ow. There's no one here to help me. <laughs> and, and at that time, too, some important relationships in my life were, um, let's say, uh, problematic. And so Naomi picked up on that, and so she wrote me this poem, Let Nothing Steal Your Joy. And I want to read it. She wrote this, When the sink is destroyed, let nothing steal your joy. When the oven doesn't fit... And you're very annoyed, let nothing steal your joy. When three hours of sermon are dumped down the drain, let nothing steal your joy. When it happens again and drives you insane, let nothing steal your joy. When the garbage disposal blows up, let nothing steal your joy. When a person tears your mailbox up, let nothing steal your joy. When you trip at the door and sprain your ankle, let nothing steal your joy. When the pain 
is just annoying and starts to rankle. Let nothing steal your joy. But Jesus loves us very much, and that can give us joy. So when people try to steal that joy, don't let it, Dad. Just don't. Let nothing steal your joy, Dad. Let nothing steal your joy. So I had walked into the house, uh, kids, all our kids everywhere, and, and Naomi hands me this poem, and I read it out loud, and we're all like very excited, and, and I'm like, you're right, nothing's going to steal my joy. And just as I say that, I look over, and our dog, Elliot, is peeing <laughs> in my shoes. And at that moment, I had a crisis of faith. <laughs> Do I really believe that despite my external circumstances, I can have joy that comes from God? Let nothing steal your joy. How, how do we do that? <coughs> how can we trade our sorrows and shame, our sickness and our pain for the joy of the Lord. How can the joy of the Lord replace those things? How can the joy of the Lord replace our sorrows, our shame, our sickness, and our pain? To answer this question, we're going to go back 2,500 years to a gathering of God's people. And at this gathering, they are encouraged to trade their shame and their sorrow for the joy of the Lord. So turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 8 in the Bibles provided. It's on page 403. Just turn there briefly. So let me set the stage a little bit. So about 50,000 Israelites, they're gathered together in unity. Men, women, children who can understand what's going on. Amazing children like we had up here just a moment ago. And at this gathering, they're encouraging they're, they're encouraged to trade shame and sorrow for the joy of the Lord. They call on their spiritual leader, Ezra, to read from the Word of God. And so what does Ezra do? He reads from the Word of God. He reads from early morning until midday, four to six hours of reading the Bible. And as he reads, the people respond. They listen intently. They stand. They raise their hands. They speak out shouting, amen, amen, which means so be it, or I agree. And also Ezra reads, as he reads, they bow down and worship God, and, and they have their faces to the ground. Listen to how Ezra, or Nehemiah, wrote about it in Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. This is what it says, And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard, on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. 
And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood 13 other spiritual leaders with difficult names. (laughs) See what I did there? (laughs) And verse 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people, not in, not in position, but he was just up on this platform so they could all hear him. So he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. Amen. So be it, so be it. We agree, we agree. Lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord and their faces to the ground. Now, after that, after four to six hours of Ezra reading the word of God, the people wanted more. They were hungry for the presence of God. So those other spiritual leaders that were with, that are with Nehemiah, they go into the crowd and organize the crowd into smaller groups, and they begin to read and explain the word of God so that everyone can understand the meaning. And so they listen intently to the Word of God. And they also grow in their understanding of the Word of God. And as they understand, all the people begin to weep. And they're weeping because God, through His Word, is showing them that the way they're living is hurting Him. The teaching of the Word is bringing them face to face with their own sin, and they're in anguish because they're hurting God and they don't want to. Nehemiah describes it this way, verse 7, also those men with hard names helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book from the law of God clearly and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who is the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. So all the people are weeping as they hear the words of the law. 50,000 people are weeping because God's word was showing them how far they had walked away from him. They're experiencing sorrow and shame. And in in their weeping, they turn to God for forgiveness. And as they're weeping because of their sorrow and their shame, their brokenness, their pain, Nehemiah speaks to them and tells them to stop grieving because... The joy of the Lord is their strength. Verse 10, then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah tells them, trade your shame and your Sorrow and your brokenness and your pain for the joy of the Lord. Wouldn't it be amazing to be able to trade your shame and your sickness, your sorrow, your brokenness, your pain 
for the joy of the Lord. What an awesome deal. I give you all my junk, you give me joy and strength. How can we make that trade? How can we experience the joy of the Lord so that we are strengthened as we live our lives for Jesus? How can we have joy if our past, our present, and our future is trying to steal our joy? Verse 10, let's focus on that for some answers. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So first, the joy of the Lord originates with God. That's why it's called the joy of the Lord. It originates from God. Because the joy of the Lord originates with God, joy is a godly quality. And because joy is a godly quality, the joy of the Lord can only draw people to God. Also, because joy is a godly quality, it's eternal. And so the joy of the Lord being our strength is forever. It's eternal. So the joy of the Lord is godly and eternal. On the other hand, sinful pleasures are, car- are counterfeit joy. Counterfeit joy, fake joy. And cannot compare with godly joy. Sinful pleasures are temporary, always followed by painful consequences. And sinful pleasures are temporary and push people away from God. But joy originates from God. And joy is godly and eternal. So what is then the joy of the Lord? In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, we read this. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, there it is. Jesus, the Lord, had joy when he was being crucified. As he was being tortured on that cross, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was that joy set before him? It was you and me. When he hung on that cross, he looked into the future and saw you and me. And he had joy. Why did he have joy? Our sin separates us from God. But because of his sacrifice on the cross, he was paying for our sin. He was making himself the bridge between the Father and us. His death on the cross allows us to return to God for forgiveness and to receive eternal life. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Saved. So what is the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord is us, our salvation, and our subsequent walk with him. When he looks at you, your salvation and your walking with him brings him joy. That's the joy of the Lord. You bring joy to the Lord when you surrender to him and you walk with him. When we surrender to Jesus and we keep in step with the Spirit, Jesus has joy. 
It says that Jesus throws a big party in heaven when one person comes to know him. Luke 15, verse 10. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So with the joy of the Lord, so the joy of the Lord originates with God, and the joy of the Lord is our salvation and our walk with him. And the joy of the Lord flows to us. When we surrender to Jesus, become connected to him, it's like we open this valve and joy pours into our lives. Let me uh, give you some practical ways the joy of the Lord flows to us and see if you can resonate with these. When we see the Lord moving in our lives, our joy increases. Amen? So be it. I agree. When God gives his people victory over evil, our joy increases. Amen. Amen. When we are in the presence of God, our joy increases. God's unfailing love brings joy to our hearts. Amen. When we are blessed by the Lord, our joy increases. When God shows us mercy, our joy increases. When we see the Lord change lives, our joy increases. When the Lord confronts us, when the Lord comforts us in difficult times, our joy increases. The joy of the Lord flows to us as we draw close to him. I love to camp, like real camping. Love to camp, real camping out in the woods, God's creation, the beauty, the peace, the calm. Anybody identify with that? Yes, amen, amen. So um, now everyone who does real camping knows it can get uncomfortable at times. You know, there's bugs and there's mud and all that stuff. But when it gets uncomfortable, you can do things to get more comfortable. There's always a way. For example, if I get cold, I get closer to the fire. If I get thirsty and my canteen is empty, I, I get closer to the, the water, the stream, the creek. If I'm hungry... I dig into my pack and I pull out some food. If I get tired, I get closer to my sleeping bag. And if I get lost, I get back on the path. What was that? If, if I get lost, I call 911. No, you never do that. Could you help me? I'm lost. No camper would do that. So with each of these situations, I must draw closer to the object that will meet my needs. And it's the same with joy. To be more joyful, I must move closer to that which will bring me joy. And joy originates from who? God. So I need to draw closer to God if I want to have more joy in my life. The closer we are to God, the more joy we will experience. So joy originates from God, and the joy of the Lord is our salvation and our walk with Him. And the joy of the Lord flows to us as we surrender to Him and, and follow Him. And finally, the joy of the Lord brings strength. That's what uh, 
Verse 10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord, our salvation, and our walk with the Lord is our strength. We draw strength from God. As we walk with him, we are strengthened. So just drawing closer to God brings us strength. And the stronger we are, the more joyful we will be. Let me give you an ex- a cup, two examples. When we walk closely with Jesus, we're strengthened against temptation. And when we avoid or defeat temptation, we have more joy in our life. Right? Think about it. I'm tempted. I'm tempted. Nope, not going there, man. I feel strong. When we are walking closely with Jesus, we're strengthened for service. And when we're serving our joy increases. I think of the adults involved in the play. After it was over, they're going, we are strong because of the Lord. That was awesome. Those kids were wonderful. Now, if we are serving and we're not feeling joy, then we're not serving the Lord. We're serving for some other reason. When we're serving the Lord, we will experience joy. The joy of the Lord truly is our strength. Our salvation, our walk with God is our strength. Now this strength allows us then to trade our sorrow, shame, sickness, and pain for the joy of the Lord. So how do we make this trade? How did the people in Nehemiah 8 make this trade? First, they listened intently to the word of God, and they took the time to understand the word of God. Four to six hours. I was thinking about that. What would a sermon that lasted four to six hours look like? And you're all going, don't try it. (laughs) And they were standing. And the pastor didn't have a microphone. He just had a bunch of guys that nobody could pronounce their names go out and, and interpret for him. So they listened intently to the word of God, and they took the time to understand it. Second, they worshiped God wholeheartedly. They were all in. They stood in reverence. They raised their hands. They fell on their faces in worship. They were all in. And they responded to the power of God's word. They recognized their sin, and they turned to God for forgiveness and for strength. And when they did all that... Nehemiah said this, he said, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And after the people listened intently, and they worshipped, and they responded, this is what happened in verse 12. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. So they not only did they understand how their own sin was hurting God, but they understood that God was a forgiving God and that they could walk in joy instead of grief, sorrow, and shame. So when we listen intently and we understand the word of God, when we worship God wholeheartedly and we respond to the power of God's word by recognizing our sin and turning to him, we will experience the joy of the Lord. 
as a third century man was anticipating his death, he penned these last words to a friend. It's a bad world, an incredibly bad world. But I've discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are the masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians. And I am one of them. So what happens? What happens when we follow God? What happens when we listen intently and understand His Word? What happens when we worship Him wholeheartedly? What happens when we respond to Him, recognize our sin, and turn from it? What happens? We experience the joy of the Lord. Would you like to experience more of the joy of the Lord in your life? Amen. So be it. I agree. Would you like to experience the joy of the Lord in your life? Then listen intently and understand His word. Worship Him wholeheartedly. And respond when His word shows you sin in your life. Turn to Him and let Him forgive you and give you renewed strength. Let's pray. Lord, this is a great day, a great way to begin a new week. Lord, what a blessing it is to see our children and our grandchildren, our little brothers and sisters in the Lord, serving you and sharing your good news, sharing the true light of Christmas. And Lord, we thank you for that moment, 25 hundred years ago that speaks to our hearts, speaks to our lives. Lord, we want to experience your joy, and we thank you that you showed us how to do it, how to have the strength that comes from walking with you. And so, Lord, this week we want to intently listen to your word, we want to worship you wholeheartedly, and we want to respond to your word with humility and in repentance and receive your strength. So Lord, help us this week. And Lord, if we get off the path, show us the way back. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening today. Subscribe to the podcast now. And for more info, including sermon outlines, visit our website at www dot kurtlandchristian dot o r g